Hey, thanks for tuning into our podcast today. My name is Derek Puckett. I'm the lead pastor at Renewal Church of Chicago. If you want to know more information about us, you can head to our website at RenewalChicago.com. I pray today that this message is a blessing and an encouragement to your soul. Well, this morning, I'm excited and ready to get into this text. We're going to be in Colossians chapter 3. Um, and as I prayed about and thought about, man, I, I want to, I usually do some type of resurrection passage to, to lead into Resurrection Sunday. And we've been walking through Colossians, and it just so happens that in the passage today, Paul is talking about the resurrection. And so if you've been missing the series, we've been walking through Colossians. And the reason we've been walking through Colossians, the series we entitled Jesus at the Center, is because during this pandemic, uh, there has been so many things thrown in us, us different information, different media. How many of you all have felt kind of overwhelmed with all the news and everything that has happened? Everybody probably should raise their hands. Um, if you've got a TV or a phone, you see it across your phone all the time. And the reality is just too much, and I don't think we were made to take it in. And there's so many different things that people are telling you you need to believe or you should believe this and drop that. And I want us to just, as a church, that's the reason we walk, we're walking through Colossians, is to come back to having Jesus at the center of our lives. And how if he's at the center, everything now drives, and that informs the way we live our lives. So we come to this place where we're preaching about Jesus being at the center, and that's what Paul is doing in the book of Colossians. He, he's trying to pull them back to this foundational element of their faith and Jesus being at the center instead of all these different things that are coming their way. So... If you would meet me in Colossians chapter 3, that's where we'll be. If you're able, go ahead and stand to your feet. We're just going to read four short verses this morning. Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 through 4. If you feel comfortable, feel free to take your mask off. The only thing I say is that if you keep it on or off, you just say amen a few times for me. I need y'all to help me this morning. Uh, Colossians chapter 3, we're going to be in verse 1. I hear now the text as it reads. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. The very word of God, amen. Today I want to preach on a resurrected focus. A resurrected focus. Before we go any further, let's pray. Father, thank you for this morning. You are indeed a good, good father. God, we do ask you that, that you would speak that you would decrease me so that you may increase in this place. We thank you for your, your death, burial, and your resurrection on this morning. So, God, I pray that we turn our gaze in remembrance of what you did for us, Jesus, on the cross, in the grave, and out of the grave. So, Lord, stand in my body, speak with my mouth. Let everything that I say and do be glorifying and uplifting to you. And we pray all these things in the mighty name of Jesus and everyone said together. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. Hello to you that are online. Thanks for joining with us. <clears throat> well, family, let me ask you. You ever done something 
different in your life, ate something different or moved to a different context. And once you did that new thing or once you ate that new food or you, you smelled the new air of this new context, you just couldn't go back to the old thing. Y'all been there before? You just can't go back. This, this new thing is just, it's just too good. I mean, it's like growing up eating McDonald's burgers your whole life. Uh, no shame if you still like McDonald's. I'm going to call it mess. You see, that, that McDonald's burger, you've been eating it all your life, but then you got to taste the likes of all Cheval or small Cheval and or if you're like my wife, you get that, that Wagyu burger from Barber Vets. Ooh. Or maybe you've just been so privileged that you've tasted Pastor D's barbecue before. <laughs> and see, although you may remember that McDonald's, you have no desire for it anymore. Your taste buds, as I would say, have graduated to something better. But maybe you're sitting there and you can't amen because you haven't had the privilege of taking your taste buds to these places before. But maybe you can resonate with this. You can resonate with moving from one place to another. You can resonate with moving from maybe the suburbs or a slower pace context to city living. There's a big difference between the two, and it forces you now to live a different way. I remember when my wife and I, we moved from Memphis, Tennessee, up to Chicago in 2013. Got some Memphis people in here. We moved here to plant this church in 2013, and I remember when we came to Chicago, it was a bit different. We had moved from a slow pace context of Memphis to fast living. We moved from low rent to now triple the rent. <laughs> Friendly drivers to middle finger drivers. <laughs> Some good food to I can spend my whole check on food in Chicago. Amen, somebody. <laughs> you see, we, we, we went from living in one context to another, which forced us to live differently because we were now in a new place. We couldn't live like we did in the old place. But maybe you're still sitting there and you say, Pastor D, I, I, I can't get with that. It, it, I can't get with the understanding of eating differently or, or moving. But one thing we all can resonate with is having to adjust our lives to now living in a pandemic. Being shut in our houses, mask over our face, vaccination after vaccination, or an over-inundation of media. We've had to move from one normal to a new normal and now to a whole new normal as things start to open up more. And at each stage, we've had to op operate differently than before. Y'all follow me? See, see, what I'm getting at is that when we move or we experience something different in our lives, it requires us to adjust. It requires us to live different than before. As we get into this passage today on this Easter or Resurrection Sunday, Paul is essentially saying that since you now 
are a believer and you're in Christ, you are to live differently. You are not the same anymore. You are not to desire the McDonald's of the world anymore because you've experienced the ooh, the wagyu of the kingdom. And it's way better than the McDonald's of the world. Your true address now doesn't reside in the 606 vicinity of General Chicago. But your true address as a believer is now in heaven. Amen, somebody. You see, Paul says... Since that you have believed, you've been raised with Christ. Hence, the old you is gone, and now the new has come in, Jesus. So today, I want to talk about this a bit and what this actually means, because I I think we tend to get this misconstrued a bit, because in what Paul is saying, we get lost here. so, so, So hear me, it's less about, don't miss this, it's less about you physically changing, and it's more about your focus changing. It's less about you physically changing, what Paul's talking about. It's more about your focus changing. So I have three points, and y'all can go to brunch. (laughs) Number one, I want to talk about a new focus. Number two, a new focus allows me to fight. And number three, a new focus allows me to wait. A new focus, a new focus allows me to fight. And a new focus allows me to wait. Our passage today comes on the heels of what Pastor Steve walked us through last week, where although we may be the one that says we believe in Jesus, we come to church, etc., on down the line, we commonly still live in a way that has the semblance of the world. In other words, although we may say we're Christian, we still live another way. And see, the key here is that this living or Worldly type of living, if I may, it's not this. It's not the one that's that's overtly against what the Bible says. It, it, but it's the one where we may follow the rules, or we we may live a religious type of lifestyle. It, it, it's the one where we pride ourselves in what we do and what we can handle in our own strength. Where this becomes very problematic because, watch this, to someone. With the naked eye, when they look at you, they could say, oh, wow, wow, she's doing very well. He, he's doing very good in his life, and he's representing Jesus well. But in reality, you're not trusting Jesus. You're trusting yourself for your satisfaction. In essence, although we may not be yelling out at the top of our lungs, I'm going to live as I please. I'm going to do what I want to do. In reality... In the inner parts of our souls, we believe that we're the captain of our own souls. And see, the issue is, is that this type of living, this way of living, it it taps into the underlying narrative of our culture. It taps into the underlying narrative of the blue-collar culture of Chicago, where you work as hard as you can, and you just put it on your back, and you can make it happen. So in essence, every one of us, we all deal with this idea of self-reliance or rule following to a certain degree or another. And hear me, it ain't really all that bad, Nisi. Hear me, it's not all that bad because we, we, we should fight against sin as Christians. Now, we, we, we are to follow the word of God as believers. Believers are to live lifestyles that model the love of Christ at our jobs and in our neighborhoods and everywhere around us so people are able to see the, uh, the, the, the hope of Jesus through our lives. But hear me, hear me, hear me. 
Whenever you begin to make your activity, what you do, your identity, you've missed Jesus. Your activity is not your identity when you come to know Jesus. Your identity is now a son or a daughter of the most high God. You're different. You're no longer the same anymore. What am, what am, I, what am I saying? What, what am I getting it here? Hear me, hear me. There's a tension that the Christian has to wrestle with, a, a tension that the Christian has to hold on to where you begin to, 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 with this truth of the gospel that Jesus died and on the cross and he rose again. And we live from this truth where we have faith in Jesus. But see, this is where the problem and the tension starts to occur because, Pastor D, here, if, if I'm going to live from this understanding of what Jesus has done for me, what does that look like? What does that look like to live from that truth without just focusing on my activity? In other words, I, I, be, I believe in Jesus, but, but, but how do I live in such a way without reverting back to my old ways, my religious or self-reliant ways? Well, I'm, I'm glad you asked this morning. Because Paul addresses this in the text today. Paul has walked through all it means to be in Christ in chapters 1 and 2 where he says that, that I'm trying to combat the, the heresy of the land and, and what's coming in, all these different ways of theology. He's trying to combat against that. In, in Colossae, he, he lets the church know that Christ is above all things. He says he's the supreme one. He is preeminent. He's before all things. He's after all things, and you are to reside in him. He is the Lord of creation, the, the head of the body, the church. And now as we get to chapter 3, he says... Now that you know who Christ is and that you're in him, he says, walk in him. Now, now walk in this truth, but don't miss it. Paul is saying that your walk should look different now. It shouldn't look the same. Your life should look different now that you know Jesus. Paul begins in verse 1 by saying, if then you have been raised, everyone say raised. He says, if you have been raised in Christ, then seek the things that are above. Paul here is saying that when you believed or God chose to save you by his grace, the old you died. You died with Christ. And now you have been risen with him. In essence, as I said before, you, or should I say your identity is not the same anymore, but you are now a son or a daughter of God since you believe. The idea here is that we are in Christ, which means wherever Christ goes, we will go. Uh, it says in the text that, that, that Christ is seated in heaven now, which means that as a believer, one day, not now, one day, You'll be seated with him in the heavenly realms. You'll be with him. You'll be where Christ is. This is why when we celebrate baptism, just like we did, we, we do exactly symbolically what Jesus did. We say when we're baptizing you, we take you under the water. We say buried with Christ in baptism, symbolic of his baptism, him, him being buried into the ground. When he died on the cross and then we come out of the water and we say raised to walk in newness of life. Hear me, hear me, hear me. That's symbolic of what Christ has already done. There's no magic in the water, regardless of what you think. You don't die when you go under the water. And I sure am not drowning you when you go under the water. Izzy asked me the other day, Daddy, are you going to hold me under? I'm like, what kind of daddy do you think I am? 
No, there's nothing magical in the water. It doesn't save you. It's symbolic of the death that Jesus died when he went into the grave. You see, Jesus already died. He did all the work. He recognized us in our sin, not able to hold up to this holy standard that God set before us. And what does he do? He makes his way to the cross. Nails in each one of his hands, as we heard Steve preach on Friday, nails in his feet. And he dies there for you and I, but he doesn't stay there. He goes to the grave. See, the reality is that someone had to die on the cross. See, Romans 6.23 tells us that the wages of our sin is death. So someone had to die and pay the penalty towards our, our, our sin, our, the wrath of God. And so what does Jesus do? He takes our sin upon the cross. And see, someone had to die. It couldn't just be anybody. So Jesus dying is significant. It had to be someone who was perfect, someone's holy, righteous in all their ways. There ain't nobody, I don't care how good you think you are, that has ever held up to that standard other than Jesus. So Jesus chooses to go to the cross. He dies. And then he's buried. And when he's buried, this is the baptism, he takes our sin and our mess and he leaves it in the grave. And I'm glad that it didn't stop there as the Church would say that ain't how the story ends. But early, early on a Sunday morning, he got up. Come on, come on, somebody say that. He got up. He got up out that grave with all power in his hands. Triumphed over Satan, sin and death. Left it in the grave and walked among us people. Now, don't miss it. We didn't die. He did. We didn't rise from the grave. Christ did for you and I. So what Paul is saying here is that you, by you believing, you now identify with Christ. So although you didn't do anything, I love it, you still have victory over Satan's sin and death. That's good news. That's some good news. See, I, I like to think that Paul here is referring to, to chapter 1 and, and 2, and he's saying with all this good news, church, I mean, why would you want to walk in any other truth? All, all that Jesus has done for you, why, why? No, no, walk in Jesus, he says. Walk in Jesus. So he says, set your mind on things above. In essence, keep your mind on what Jesus has done for you, and let that now inform the way you live your life. Now, friends, with this, 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 this doesn't mean, I got to stop you before you go off the rails with this. This doesn't mean that you should walk around and think you're somehow better than somebody else now. It doesn't mean that some folks would say that you, you, you are to be so heavenly minded that you are no earthly good. No, no, no. Paul here, what he means is seek things that are above. Walk in Jesus and set your mind on things above. What, he, what, what he's saying here is that he's, he's, he's getting at when your focus, focus, when your focus is on Jesus, it won't just help you in your right now today, but this focus will allow you to get to the place of eternity with him in heaven. So it helps you from now on through eternity. But, he, but hear me, hear me. It will also allow you to impact the world 
for the glory of God. See, see, one writer said it this way. A heavenly focus produces an earthly difference. Let me say it again. Y'all missed it. A heavenly focus produces an earthly difference. I don't want y'all to miss this. Uh, the great William Wilberforce, he understood this where he, he was once a man that, that hung out in gentlemen's clubs and he gambled all his money away being a, a politician. But soon he would have an experience with, with God that would change the trajectory of his life. And he would write these words. Look at them with me. He would say, God Almighty has set before me two great objects, the suppression of the slave trade and the reformation of manners. Wilberforce was so impacted by the truth and the grace of Jesus Christ in his life that he couldn't bear to look at another person as less than he was. He couldn't bear to look at someone less than he was because he knew the grace that had been bestowed upon him when Jesus saved him. He was so unworthy of that in his mind. He said, I, I can't look at anybody as less than. So what does he do? For the next 18 years of his life, watch this, he worked until the slave trade was outlawed in 1808. And he wouldn't stop until slavery was completely outlawed in Britain. And on his deathbed in 1833, just three days before he would die, he learned that slavery had ended. Friends, here's my point. When we embrace the glorious good news of what Jesus has done for us, we're not able to live the same anymore. The believer knows where they're going. They, they know where their destination is. They understand the grace that has been given to them. So, so they, they want others to know about this good news. They want others to know about this love in Christ. They want everybody to know about the satisfaction, the joy, and the fulfillment in Jesus. So Paul is saying, focus and set your mind on things above. Hence, set your mind on Christ. But I know I know someone stepped into church today and you're saying, Pastor D, I hear you. I see where you're going with all of this, but I'm going to be honest. This is my first Sunday back. I, I, maybe I haven't, I, I haven't even been to church. I can't remember the last time I was in church. And, and I, I, I just came here because it's Easter Sunday and somebody invited me. So I'm in church today and I, I, I'm not at the place where I'm ready to live my life poured out for everybody else. I mean, I, 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 COVID hit me and I'm, I'm flipped over backwards and turned. I can't tell backwards from forward. I don't know what's going on in my life. I, I need I need help just figuring out my day-to-day -day before I can help anybody else. And if that's you, I need you to listen because I, I love it. Paul, he's speaking to you also. In this passage, he's letting the readers know that you're saved when you place your faith in Jesus. And one day, you'll be in heaven with Christ where he is. He wants us to know from a foundational level, what it means to be in Christ, which now changes your focus and the way you live. See, you as a believer, 
When you believe, you are essentially able to experience the glory and the good of God today here on earth. That's the now. And then you will, you will be able to experience his goodness forever in eternity in heaven. That's the not yet. And see, the now, the truth of the now and the truth of the not yet allow you to now live where you are day to day. Since, since this is true, Paul says, he says, seek the things that are above. Now, I know you're sitting there and you're saying, well, I, I still don't get how this helps me live today. Paul is referring backwards here, the chapters one and two that he's already walked through. And he's saying, look, I, I, know, I know there's so many different waves of reason and theology that have come in here to Colossae, or should I say Chicago, and asceticism and religiosity just flows through your, your bloodline. But hear me, now that you know Jesus, none of that stuff will satisfy anymore. You're destined for heaven being in Christ. So watch this. The only thing that will satisfy you now is to meditate on, is to value and to prioritize the things of above. Now, what does that mean? What does that mean, Pastor D? This is where it gets good. I got to come into your neighborhood a little bit. I need y'all to go there with me because it means that when you focus on the things above, you live with Christ in mind. Watch this. Jesus is now not the only one that can go out in the middle of the wilderness like in Matthew chapter 4 and fight off the temptations of Satan and the things that come his way. But now you can being hidden in Christ. Don't, don't miss this. Don't miss this. See, when you set your mind and focus on things above, you now understanding that you're hidden in Christ, you can fight and you can live in freedom. Some of y'all missing this. So, so hear me, hear me. Let me step in your neighbors. When, 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 you, when you become overwhelmed, or overcome with fear. Instead of trying to control your outcome, you can remember and fight from 2 Timothy 1 verse 7 where it says, For God did not give me a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. And maybe that's not you. You don't deal with fear, but some of us get overwhelmed with anxiety. So when you get overwhelmed with anxiety, you can remember and fight by looking at Matthew 6, verse 26, where Jesus says, Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they are? Ah, maybe that's not you, but you're worried about money. You're worried about making ends meet, or, or you're still sitting there praying for that million to come in. You got to hit that jackpot. You're waiting on it, and it ain't happened yet. Hear me, hear me, hear me, hear me, hear me. You're able to fight against this, whether it be lust for money or, or love for money, because the Bible says that your treasure is where your heart lies. So if my heart is in Christ, then I don't treasure my possessions anymore, but I'm content whether I have a whole bunch or I have little because my true treasure is in Jesus, and that is far better treasure than any amount of money can give me. Amen. This side clapped and this one didn't because maybe you're this person. <laughs> you, you, you're the person that that just wants to live life to the full. You, you want to maximize 
everything you do in your life. You're an achiever. You want to climb up the ladder and you want to be the best at everything. YOLO to the full. You only live once. I got to have it my way like Burger King. And you keep looking on Instagram and, and TikTok and you see everybody out there living their best life. And you're sitting there like, when I'm going to get my blessings, Jesus? What's going on? Everybody around me is flourishing, but I'm not. You know how you're able to fight against that? Well, you remember what Jesus says in John 10, 10, knowing that that's not true life, but true life was brought by him when he came into the world. He says, I came to give them life and life to the full, abundant life. That ain't about money. That ain't about achieving everything. That's about walking in him. So what this means is that no matter how, how, how hard I try, no matter how much I achieve, I can't achieve enough to satisfy myself. Nothing will give me eternity. Nothing will give me the fulfillment or the satisfaction that I get in Christ. Friends, see, see, see when, when we understand as believers we're in Christ and we seek the things above, not only do we start to live for others, but our day-to-day -day thoughts begin to change. Worry starts to cease. We, we can fight the battles in our minds and with others around us because we know the truth of who we are in Jesus. We understand that our identity is hidden in Christ. As believers, we have died and we're risen with him. We, we are not the same anymore. This is why we get so excited when we're talking about Resurrection Sunday and what Jesus did on the cross. Because when you believe, your old is gone and your new has come in. Jesus, you are a new creation in Christ. You see, I know why we sound like we're at a golf course this morning and you're not excited. Some of us are still sitting there. We're not excited. We're not satisfied. And that's okay because... Steve, there's still good news in the text. Paul moves on. We being in Christ, we've not only died, not only risen with him to newness of life where our focus has shifted, but one day, he says, in verse 4, we will appear with him also. See, what Paul has been saying all throughout this text is that this earth is not the believer's home. But the believer's home is with Christ. And in the last verse, he says that this home one day it won't just be something that we, we meditate on and we think on. But this home one day will actually physically happen. We'll be with Christ. One day, those of us that call Jesus Lord and Savior will be free from this world and the madness of it. And we'll be with Jesus. Now, by understanding this truth and continually focusing on Jesus, watch this. It allows us to wait patiently for heaven. Now, I'm not sure about you, but if I'm honest, this is something I needed to hear. It's something I needed to read. It, this has been a... A tough couple of years and I don't care how much you try to look past it 
it's been a tough couple of years. With all the racial strife, the political madness, a pandemic, and for a long stretch, if I'm honest, even on today, I'm just like, I'm tired of this. I'm done. Let's move on. And then when it seemed like things were getting better and there was a light at the end of the tunnel, there's a war between Russia and Ukraine. Gas prices go crazy. Inflation is out the roof. Housing market is continually changing. There's a part of me, and I would venture to say that many of us in this room right now feel a sense of angst, and you may not even know it, which is the issue. There's a, there's a sense of weariness within our hearts. And Paul, in this passage, is encouraging us, saying, hold on, keeping your mind on Christ, all that he's done. Remember, he's seated at the right hand of the Father, meaning your identity as a son or daughter of God is rock solid in Jesus. But then he says, one day he will appear again and you will be with him. Believers will be released from the madness of today and will live in the reality of heaven. This truth, this promise gives us the strength to wait not on the foundation of my strength or my intellect, but on the truth of what Jesus has already done for us. Let me end with this because I don't want y'all to miss this. Uh, true story. In September 25th, the year 2000, a man by the name of Kevin Hines, he stood on the Golden Gate Bridge deciding that he was going to end his life. It has been estimated throughout history that some 1,700 people have jumped off the Golden Gate Bridge since 1937. And Kevin on this day decided that he was going to add to this number. And so he, he took the bus to the bridge. And while he was seated on the bus, he cried and sobbed the whole way to the bridge. Thinking in his head, hoping that somebody would ask him, are you okay? But instead, they jeered and they mocked him. Look at this guy. Look at this guy. Look at him crying. Picture this with me. He's crying and sobbing on this bus, hoping that somebody would stop him from what he's about to do. He gets to the bridge, and he's walking off the bus, hoping that the bus driver would say something to him. But instead, the bus driver says, son, this your stop. Get off. Get off. Get off the bus. Kevin gets off the bus, and he... He starts walking down the bridge to the middle of the bridge and he backs up almost to traffic to get a head start. And he takes off running and he leaps over the rail. And he said, in that second, he said, I don't want to die. And if I die, I won't be able to tell anybody that I didn't want to die. So he begins to pray, God, I, I made a mistake. God, I made a mistake. Save me, God. I made a mistake on his way down. It says that he, he's falling from the bridge some 220 feet at 75 miles an hour, which makes the water feel like concrete when he hits it. 
hits the water, shatters two of his vertebrae where he now cannot move his legs. He went some 70 feet deep into the water and he says, I don't want to die. So he, he strives with all his strength and he swims to the surface just using his arms, gasping for air. And he gets to the surface and he, God, please save me. God, please save me. I don't want to die. I made a mistake. God, please save me. I don't want to die. God, please save me. I don't want to die. And as he's saying this, he says the water starts to swirl around him. He sees this dark animal. And immediately he says, I don't want to die by a shark bite. Come on, God. But he keeps saying, God, please save me. I made a mistake. God, please save me. I made a mistake. And this thing keeps bumping him. And it keeps going around him faster and faster. It's swirling. And now he starts to notice that he doesn't have to struggle anymore. But now he can lay there flat on his back. And he looks to his right and he sees that it's a sea lion. And the sea lion keeps circling him, keeping him afloat until the rescuers come and get him out of the water. Kevin has told this story around the world. And friends, I tell you this today because many of you have come into this Easter or resurrection season tired. You're burnt out, you're worried, and you're fearful. You're done with this pandemic, and you're done with life. Someone in a room this size has probably walked in here, and you're in the same place that Kevin is in. And may I tell you the truth of the gospel? The truth of the gospel is that God heard our cry some 2,000 years ago when Jesus died on the cross. God heard Kevin's cry when he was bobbing up and out and out of the water. God, please save me. And God still hears your cry today. Just turn to Jesus and believe and remain in Christ, keeping your mind on the things above. Keep your mind on the Christ. And although at times it may seem like you're bobbing up and down out of the water, God, please save me. God, please save me. I'm not going to make it. God, please save me. Y'all hear me? The sea lion promise of the gospel, whoa, is that Jesus died for you. He was buried and he got up out of that grave. He defeated Satan, sin and death. And historians tell us there has not been one bone that's ever been found. And Paul tells us that one day he's coming back. And you'll be with him. Believe in Jesus. family I know there's some of us in here that have walked in here and you've never placed your hope in Jesus Christ you've never given your life to him and the reality is is that here's the truth God didn't bring you here on this Sunday morning for no reason brought you here because he wanted to be in a relationship. Family, why don't you believe this Sunday? Believe in the truth of his death, his burial, and his resurrection. We celebrate today in this truth because as we identify with Christ, we now have victory over Satan's sin death through Jesus which as I said before 
means that one day we'll be with him. Believe and receive forgiveness as well as life, true life to the full. And for some of us, you need to just hold on and wait. Doing so with your mind on Jesus. But we don't wait with our heads held low. We wait with our heads lifted high, singing and declaring that song. Death couldn't hold him down, for he is the risen king. We sing this, declaring that truth. Knowing that since he rose, we will one day do the same thing. That, hear me family, is a resurrected focus. That's a resurrected focus. He is risen. Say it with me. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Thank God Almighty. Let's pray. Father God, I do ask even now that we will remember your goodness and your promise towards us that as we reside in you and put our faith in you this life and all it has to offer is not there is but there is eternity that awaits us so God I pray that we turn our gaze right now and our hearts and our minds to you nowhere else but to you Jesus for the person that walked in here and has been struggling with their faith or hasn't believed at all, God, I pray right now that you, would, that you would speak to their hearts, that you would enter their heart, and they would confess you as Jesus, as Lord and Savior of their life, the one who died, was buried, and rose for them. And in that, God, they would walk in that newness of life, plug into the family, the body of faith here. God, I pray for the person that's struggling, that's been waffling between their faith or been all the way over the other side of the fence God but they do know you Lord I pray that they would come back and they would wait patiently that would fight against sin temptation the things that come their way with your scripture keeping their minds and their eyes set on you we thank you for how good you've been and God we give you praise that the resurrection isn't even the end of the story one day we will be with you but until then, God, help us to keep our minds and our hearts set on you with a new focus. It's in the mighty name of Jesus we all said together, amen. Amen. Thanks again for tuning into our podcast today. I pray that it was a blessing and an encouragement to your soul. I look to see you at one of our services at 9 or 11 a.m. on Sunday morning. Take care. God bless you.